Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day with the life of Jesus meets yours. In today's study Saturday, we have some audio from the Wells Lutheran Leadership Conference back in Chicago the third week of January. And in this episode, we have Pastor Don Doverstein talking about high expectations for membership. Don Doverstein, uh, Pastor Doverstein, the head of Wells Wisconsin Synod Adult Discipleship. Here goes. I missed the very opening comments, but he talks and he's starting with this discussion about the requirements of attendance at Rotary and a couple of other social groups. Here goes. Weekly. That is a requirement. Can you imagine that if your members are attending every single Sunday? Anybody have a problem with that? And then thirdly, you're required to participate in a, in a community project that somewhere through the year you will be involved in some sort of active service. So 1.2 million Rotary members across the nation, they have no problem with those expectations to be part of a group. Um, the one I like most, though, is this fraternity. Uh, their expectations, they actually looked at it from the negative. We are not looking for candidates who are not interested in serving in the community. So if you're not interested in serving, don't join this church, right? We don't want you. We are not seeking candidates who do not take academic excellence seriously. We are not interested in individuals whose actions will put the organization's brand and well-being at risk. So if you were to apply that to your congregation, that means before a membership requirement is you can't talk smack about your church. Uh, you, you have to be able to, you are the walking, talking billboard uh, in the community for the congregation, and you're going to uphold your church's reputation. But this one is, this ship doesn't need any anchors. So in other words, if you expect to just join this church and, and just do absolutely nothing, uh, according to this frat, we don't want you. How would you like these expectations for your congregation? Would those work? Absolutely. One last one, the Marines. Do they have expectations and requirements? I, I wasn't as much interested in, the, in the, uh, uh, the education or citizenship. I was like, can you imagine if you had fiscal requirements to be a member of your church? And according to the Marines, uh, your members would then have to fit in that kind of uh, uh, body fat. Now, I just, after two years, I just came from Florida, uh, 23 uh, years and 18 of them in Florida. Uh, my body fat down there was about uh, uh, 9, 10%. I've spent just two years in Wisconsin, and uh, two weeks ago, the doctor told me, yeah, you're at about 23% body fat right now. I was like, but I need that if I'm going to survive in Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, you have to do an 880-yard run uh, with, uh, with your uniform on, with your boots on. You have to do an ammo can lift. An ammo can weighs 30 pounds. You have to take it from the ground and put it above your head, and then you have to do that as many times as you can, as fast as you can, in two minutes. Two minutes. Then you have to do the maneuver under fire, which means this. If your members are going to be, have physical requirements for their membership, they have to go out into the church uh, parking lot. Uh, what they're going to have to do is run a 300-yard course. They're zigzagging with two 30-pound ammo cans back and forth. They have to drag a member casualty 10 yards behind them. They have to do push-ups and sit-ups. And then finally, at the end, they have to take a dummy grenade, launch it 22 and a half yards into a little circle. If you can do that, you can be a, a member of a congregation. Every, every organization has some sort of requirement. So being able to talk about expectations for membership 
that should not be a surprise. What is interesting is uh, the expectations that members have of their church. We live in a consumer mentality-driven society in, in which um, uh, membership in a church kind of looks like membership uh, at a country club, right? In other words, if you pay your dues, there are expectations that I can have that they're going to do this, this, and this for me. And, and, and so has church membership actually been turned around where it's the members' expectations as opposed to the biblical expectations, which is just the, 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 the opposite of it, which isn't about you. It's about being in service for others. Uh, consumerism is not winning more people through the front doors of our church. As a matter of fact, consumerism is just winning more people for consumerism. That's it. If we're going to be talking about church membership guidelines, I believe you already got them. You already got them. You know where they are? Check your church's uh, constitution of bylaws. I would not be surprised if uh, there are member expectations in there, and, and I wouldn't even be surprised if uh, they fit into five different categories. One, somewhere it's going to say something about, to be a church member here, we want you growing in faith. As for you, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be an expectation for worship. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Don't give up meeting together as you are in the habit of doing. You are expecting your members to, to be in, in service uh, to uh, each other, and then you're expecting them to be giving, and you're expecting them uh, to be involved in witnessing, sharing the gospel of Christ to the world and with others. I would think that you all have these expectations total, totally and uh, clearly for your members. It's all there. What may be missing to the clarity is simply the high expectations. When I think of high expectations for membership, I think of Jesus. In uh, Luke chapter 9, he's talking to his disciples, and he turns to them and says, if you want to follow me, here's then what you can expect. Remember when he said that? You're going to have to deny yourself, you're going to have to take up a cross, and then you're going you're to have to follow me. In other words, membership expectations for following cross, according to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, is not going to be about self, but it is going to be about service. Uh, it, it's not going to be about comfortability in my membership. It's going to be actually about uncomfortability and carrying a cross. That is, th there's suffering that is involved in that. And membership is, um, is going to be, require a commitment for following, not in inactivity or uncommittal. High expectations, Jesus uh, sets when he says, I want you to be my discipleship. And it's almost as if when Jesus said that in Luke chapter 9, he was warning uh, uh, about membership. A warning. If you are going to be a member, then I warn you, do we have that kind of a warning uh, uh, system with our, our members for expectations? When you look at high expectations, Jesus said, and then you take a look at Acts chapter 2, you can see the high level of, of uh, Acts chapter 2 expectations. In the way, there's Bible study, the devotion to the, to the apostles' teaching. There is a, a, there's a worship. There is service to others. There's unity that is found together. And there's even um, the witnessing that took place. So they're finding favor with all people. It would be, it'd be fascinating for all of us to time warp back 20, to 21 centuries ago and see the model for member expectations in an, in an Acts chapter 2 kind of a church. And then at the same time, it would be very interesting for a member of Acts chapter 2 believer uh, to time warp 
21 centuries ahead and um, then come on a Sunday morning at a typical Wells congregation. 300 members, let's say. Uh, the worship sanctuary comfortably seats uh, 350 and they gather in, in the one worship service and it has 130 people there. And they're shocked because what happened to, where are the other 170? Uh, and, and then they go to Bible study afterwards and they're, they're shocked that maybe 30, 35. They're stunned to find out later that maybe only 70 members of the church are active in service to their congregation. Um, what happened to membership expectation? They would, we, you would probably have to say, well, you have to understand the culture that we are li li living in right now. I would say that if we're going to talk high expectations, we have to talk about the doors of your church. There are two of them. Um, we, the first one is uh, we're going to be reaching them, which means we're opening the front doors of our church as wide open as possible. I would contend, though, the key to assimilating and retaining members, once they come through the front door, has everything to do with keeping them so that they don't go out the back door. I'm not saying um, uh, get some chains, uh, lock members inside of church so they can never get out again. What I am saying is raising the level of expectation so that we're not losing them out the back door. What we're finding out, with, if you are a called worker and you're filling out, a pastor, you're filling out a statistical report in this month, we're finding out that uh, an average Wells congregation, they can welcome 10 to 20 new members through the front door every single year, but it's not translating into worship. So um, maybe membership goes up by 10 to 20, but worship uh, only goes up maybe two or three. Bible study doesn't go up at all. And so the ripple effect of low expectations, this is, this is what we are trying to identify within of our churches and saying we need to address that. That's a backdoor issue, and all of our churches are dealing with it. So in our time together, let's talk about three things. One, briefly be able to say we're, we're, we've been harvesting low expectations for far too long. Two, briefly look at a biblical model for member expectations. And then number three, I would love to be able to get as soon as possible to, um, we're going to talk about the features of high expectation churches um, that studies have shown. So those are the three areas we're going to be taking a look at. Um, harvesting results of low expectations, you can already find them on the back, page four of your handout. Um, there are a couple of graphics uh, that tell you what's been going on with the religious landscape uh, of America, especially taking a look at the last 10 years. There has been a rapid uh, clip and change in the last 10 years as far as uh, the religious landscape. Uh, it's been irregardless of geography or ethnicity or generations or men and women. The shift has been those who've been affiliated as a Christian from 10 years ago versus now. You can see where the shift has happened all the way through. It means this, less Americans are today calling themselves Christian. That's pretty much what it means. That does have an effect upon worship attendance. And, but you, can, you, you can't ignore the generational aspect. Um, our retirees who are getting up there in age, they are the most committed. But look at the millennial generation. That generation <laughs> is at the 50-50 point, it's at a tipping point where 50% um, uh, affiliate themselves uh, versus now that they don't. But you could just see 
four generations and you can see the decline. And now we're looking at the next one. Uh, th this would be the one that right now, they're in grade school. They're heading into high school shortly. We haven't even uh, monitored them. Um, th that affects worship attendance. Here's the cutoff point with the silent generation and the amount of time that they go to church versus it's reduced for baby, baby boomers. My generation is pretty much right there, but there has been a shift with the millennial generation, only 35% that are attending church on a regular basis. And uh, when you take a look at this slide that maps out how often do uh, people go to church, what really struck me about this was right there, uh, weekly attendance back in 2009 who went weekly or more 37%, but it's dropped by 6% in the last decade. And then you look and match that up with those who say they never go to church, it has risen by 6%, which means this. Not only are less Americans calling themselves Christian today, but those who do call themselves Christian, uh, the Christians who are affiliated with churches are attending church less. And even the ones that have been attending church, it's not as if they're going from uh, a weekly study, then they go to three uh, a weekly attendance, and then they go to three Sundays a month, two, and then one. They're not like just fading out. If uh, they are just dropping church altogether. They're going from being a member of a church and they're dropping out and they are not coming back. So just from a, a, a national religious landscape, that's the culture of our congregations today. Bucking the trend are two religious communities, Mormonism. Uh, they have been able to uh, go against the tide and they've actually remained very stable in their membership. Why is that? I believe uh, for two reasons. They have very high member expectations, do they not? And that corresponds with the second group that I'd like uh, to introduce to you. Um, they're one of the fastest growing uh, religious groups in America today. As a matter of fact, it really struck me that they're about the same size as the Wells. The Wells has about 365 members. This group has about 345,000 members. And, uh, I would also say that they have high expectations as well. Uh, this group are the Amish. Um, why? They have high expectations. They, both of those groups have, uh, are very family focused as well. Now the Amish, uh, why are they able to uh, uh, keep uh, members in the ranks? Two reasons, uh, they believe in procreation. And uh, uh, number two, they have very high uh, member retention rate. Even though they tell their 18-year-olds, okay, go out, experience the world, you know, uh, go, go sow your seeds, uh, the majority, a high majority of them return to that. So those are the two groups. So maybe the cure for the wells is just to become an Amish. <laughs> Good? Um, the, the secular climate of our world today has it impacted our church body? Absolutely. In the past five years, um, there has been incremental, small incremental declines, but if you take a look from 2014 to 2018, you see that decline um, has begun to speed up. Uh, there have been, uh, I, I think our, our church body is very much aware now 
of what's happening uh, with culture and within our uh, church body so that now it's not an uh, awareness issue. It's what are we going to do about it uh, kind of an issue. Um, if you're going to look at the front and the back door of our church body, here is the front door uh, for, uh, in 2018, this was the last year that we have uh, statistics. We, in total, as a synod, we gained about 15,500 members uh, through all, the, all of those different ways. That's with community members. But when you take a look at the back door of our congregation, the transfers in and out, they were awash. Um, you can't do anything about transfers, right? That's just people moving because people move. And unless one of your membership requirements is you're, you're not allowed to die as a member, you can't do anything about that as well. But those, that's the back door that I believe that we can do something about. On average, a Wells has lost about 7,500 to 8,000 members per year. And we didn't get into this overnight. This has been going on about 20, 25 years. So in the last 20, 25 years, um, uh, we've had about a quarter million Wells members that have either been released or removed from membership. In other words, uh, the issue uh, for uh, our church body is we got to deal with the back door of our churches. So, and what does that have to do with membership expectations? Um, one other thing, uh, expectations. Uh, the, what, what's happening with our Sunday schools? When I became a director of discipleship in 2017, I think I almost audibly gasped when I took a look at the 2017 numbers and began to realize what's happened uh, with the Sunday school uh, enrollment. Um, in 2017, Sunday school enrollment went down 10% in just one year. In 2018, it was at uh, 5% as well. And you can see that also attending a teen Bible study. It leads me to ask this question. What are the expectations that we have uh, for the youth within our congregation? So <laughs> right there, we do have a backdoor issue. Now granted, uh, we're having less baptisms. Uh, families are having um, less kids than they did uh, one or two generations ago. That is a factor, but there's more to the story than just that. And if we, we can't just talk children, because children alone aren't, aren't uh, saying we're not, we refuse to go to Sunday school. We gotta talk about adult Bible study. Are members going to spiritual growth opportunities with their congregation? No. Um, so the question is, is there an expectation within our churches that we're okay with 86% of our members not being, not being involved in adult spiritual growth? Are, are we okay with that expectation? I have had members protest and said, uh, we come to worship, but we're not going to go to Bible study. Don't worry about us, uh, Pastor, uh, because we're doing spiritual growth within our homes. I've heard that one before, and, uh, and I said, uh, that may be unique to you, but that's not unique to all. If parents aren't bringing their children uh, to Sunday school, if, if uh, uh, parents and families are not coming to adult spiritual growth, I don't think that is happening in the home. Is that okay to say? Somebody proved me wrong on that, that, uh, that our people are not coming to corporate Bible study because they're doing it in the homes. I have, a, I have yet to hear that. So we need to talk about expectations when it comes to spiritual growth. Weekly worship, in 2018 it did, a, it did about 41%. Uh, Again, are these expectations? Have we gotten to the point that uh, passionate leaders have become frustrated leaders because they've been, they've been trying to deal with this 
And now they become exhaustive leaders to the point that we're just shrugging, saying, I guess this is a new normal. There's nothing that we can do about raising expectations. Therefore, we have to lower membership expectations to what people say it is. We need to talk about that. That's a huge issue if we're going to talk about the closing the back door of our congregations. Uh, there, there are any number of reasons why uh, people say uh, that they uh, don't attend or uh, reasons why um, uh, Sunday school has been a little bit neglected. The, the one for um, uh, the lack of commitment had nothing to do with people's attendance. It had everything to do with the leadership uh, where you've got church leaders that are, are just so busy um, and they have so many other priorities of uh, uh, plates to keep spinning within ministry that that what's going on in Sunday school just gets a little bit neglected. And, and so the training of teachers, it isn't getting done. Uh, there's just an expectation of, oh, if so-and-so's in charge of it, good. Uh, and then we move on to something else. Sunday school and spiritual growth just hasn't been given a high priority when it comes to ministry expectations. And I think we're uh, harvesting uh, the results of it uh, for, for, for far too long. Um, Wells members in, in worship, how many of you participated in the Welcome Home Initiative this past fall? Uh, so that was like almost like a warning shot across the bow of our churches to say, uh, we have to talk about this. We've got to talk about the uh, drifting members within our congregations. And maybe for one Sunday, uh, there were some who returned. It's, it's a, it kind of just a flash in the pan, unless we now follow up on it, if we're going to deal with this trend. Um, this is an average... Uh, trend of, uh, of members in a Wells congregation that on any given Sunday you have about 19% of members uh, this is your core who comes faithfully to church every single Sunday uh, you see them in the pews you can count on them they will be there that amounts to about 19% uh, of your membership uh, those who attend uh, maybe up to like uh, three times three four times uh, a month that's 14% uh, those who are attending maybe two to three times a month, that's another 12.5% of your membership. Those who are attending two or maybe one time a month, it's another 5.7%. And those who are attending once or maybe once every quarter, another 3.2%. But this is the one to watch. Those who are attending less than 5% of uh, worship opportunities, 43% of our membership. It means this. That these are 43% of, our, of uh, the members on our membership are attending church maybe at the most three to four times a year. This was a study that, that was done of hundreds of Wells churches, so uh, it gave us a really good uh, window, a snapshot of what's going on within our congregations. The takeaway for that is simply this. 143,000 members uh, they worship uh, uh, per week, and most of them come most of the time. 60% of our membership is coming less Frequently, And of that 60%, we almost never see that 43%. And that 43% or that 60% means we've got 110,000 people that come almost every week. We have a backdoor issue when it comes to the other 60% of our membership. And so the question becomes, uh, are we harvesting low expectations uh, for our members? And the, the simple answer is is yes, and the studies have shown that. And numbers are numbers. Uh, they, are, they lead us not just to quantify what the challenge is, but then to ask the question, how do we deal with it? 
what are the resources uh, and that, that we have to invest in order uh, to, to deal with these kind of challenges. The sheep challenges are, why are they running away? Uh, oh, they, they told us, um, they, they, there are any number of reasons why uh, uh, sheep are, are leaving. The number one reason is 70% uh, of people said, why well, just transfer to a different church? Uh, the number two reason why people are leaving their church, uh, two-thirds uh, said, I just became less and less involved in church, and by the time they left, no, no one even knew they left. So uh, the inactivity gradually came to, to a point where nobody even noticed. And number three, 44% uh, of people said they left their church because they were wounded. Uh, either they had a dust-up, they had a disagreement with the doctrine uh, of the congregation, they had a disagreement with the direction, uh, the purpose, uh, the mission uh, that the congregation existed, or um, their feelings got hurt. Uh, they felt like no one was listening to them, or someone said something. So those are the top three reasons why people said uh, that they uh, left the church. Uh, it's interesting taking a look at uh, uh, shepherds. Why Sometimes, why are shepherds running away uh, from uh, drifting members. Uh, I, I think the one that we may just have, if it is laziness or lack of love, if it's because we've got better things to do with our time, it's just something that maybe together we just say, I repent. Uh, that's, that's just biblically not right. We, we need, uh, they are, even if they are drifting, they are still members of our congregation and we have an obligation uh, to, to go after them. Um, any church leader or called worker um, can spend time on the things that seem most urgent on a daily basis. And we can, we can focus only upon that which gives us satisfaction in ministry, which means we're going to kick the can down the road when it deals with uh, dealing with drifting members. Why? Well, because it's just not sexy. This is hard work. There's not much satisfaction when it comes to this. But we are reaping the harvest of low expectations within, within our churches uh, as a result. Uh, good time to, uh, for, for a break here. Just a, a, a brief moment for any thoughts that come to your mind, please. You have the slide about the, the Amish and the, the Mormon, and I heard the Amish referred to in another session today as oh, well. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, um, so that was that was a. I, I knew that was coming. Um, but the my my concern about that is one of the reasons why those two groups retain is because of the intense guilt that is laid on them. Yep. And I I don't know any Amish, but I do know some Mormon individuals, and it is heartbreaking to hear that. And and I've tried to crack through that with the gospel to who knows what avail. I, I just fear that putting that out as, and I don't think this was your intention, but it can almost come off as a, well, what, what are they doing that we can learn from them? Well, I don't want to learn from them in that, in that sense. Yeah, the only reason for even throwing it up there was simply to say uh, legalism can work. Okay. It sure so, can. Yeah. And, and they're proving it. Uh, but, yeah, by throwing, by throwing them up there doesn't mean that, uh, yeah, that uh, we can learn from them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, please. On reasons people give for leaving the church, if someone asks me why I haven't been to the gym in a year, I'll say I don't like the color paint, and I'll say I don't like the equipment, or they charge too much, or the, the, I'll find some reason to, you know, do people ever come forward and say, yeah, I just 
gotten a bad rut? Yeah, it's it's so easy uh, to hide around it. Um, the, the second reason that people moved out of the church was one was, uh, I've, have you heard this one? I, I just don't feel like I'm being spiritually fed. I've heard that one uh, a lot, and and uh, it's, it's very easy. You can make that, and and uh, that's how they actually feel. It's uh, I think sometimes our defense mechanisms go up right away, uh, uh, right away, and there actually may be something that we can learn if we can just say, uh, you know, un- unpackage. What do you mean uh, by that? And if, if what is it uh, that we need to listen to what they're saying? Uh, as to why. If we could have that open, honest conversation, there actually may be something uh, to learn about it. Not to justify uh, their excuses, but um, yeah, I think all of our churches have dealt with that. Please. Um, any simple advice when you know to cut your losses and you talk about reasons why there's shepherd challenges and you listed laziness? Some of it's a matter of priorities because you can go to another seminar here and they're saying you know, connect with community and stuff. <laughs> And it's such a nuanced thing, but just any wisdom when you start to say, and you shake the dust off my feet and say, this is going nowhere, or uh, you couldn't meet with them another, you know, half a dozen times, and, and just any any insights, or is it just as as, as difficult as, as, as I think it probably is? Oh, I, I, th- I think it absolutely is. In, in my 23 years of parish ministry, uh, you, you, you chase, you chase, you chase, until finally... Um, I, I told myself, Deberstein, you are an idiot. And so when I finally got to the point when I when I just absolutely was calling, uh, I realized uh, uh, I, yeah, I'm casting, I'm just casting pearls before swine right now. And I had to get to that point w- with the expectation that my pastoral heart will absolutely bend over backwards and get down on their level. Um, you lower yourself to their level of faith in order to raise them back up. It's to the point when I realize, yeah, I've been at this for two years, I'm still at that level. And, uh, and I realize, you know what? The gospel ain't working on, on this sucker. And uh, th- th- then, you, yeah, then you get out the can of law a little bit. Open that, open that up and see how they like that. It's, uh, yeah, you're right. There, there would come a point in time when you take, I would take my flip-flops off and just smack them, and that's it. Please. Contrary to that, I'm an elder. I'm not a pastor. But uh, over the years, uh, one individual comes to mind that I'd recommended multiple times to release them because we were not shepherding them. They were not coming. They, I don't even believe they let us visit them personal face face anymore. Or maybe they're open to that. But, um, and it lasted 10 or 15 years. Today, the gentleman is active in our church. He is on our council, and he brings his son. He's questioning his son every day, every Sunday. So the Holy Spirit had a different schedule than I had. Yep. I know one pastor that uh, took all of his uh, delinquent list that he'd been dealing with so long, and he got so frustrated, he took him off. Uh, the membership list, and he put him straight onto his uh, prospect list. So he moved him from the back door, and he switched him to the front door of the church, and said, "Okay, uh, reset button. We're starting from scratch." <laughs> but they came off the membership list because there were expectations that he wanted for them. Yeah. Good. Uh, l- let's go to the uh, second part: uh, biblical model for membership expectations. I love. The fr- did you know that the fraternity never used the, the, the body? 
as a, a part of their, um, their language, nor the rotary. I love the Apostle Paul, that he would take uh, the, the body of Christ, uh, the, the body of the church, and use that uh, as an analogy and a metaphor for us working together. Just as you got up this morning, none of you came down to, to these breakouts, but you left a couple of your body parts up in the room. You came down as a whole. Why? Because every part of your body has a function and functioned in order for you to be here. Paul, when he talks about the, the body of Christ, he says, we may be diverse in, in diversity when it comes to parts of the body. He goes, that's why some of you are going to be hands and feet and eyes and ears, and yet there's one body, that, that unit of the body that works together. The more, when we lower expectations for church membership, all we are doing is hurting the body of Christ. The more that become inactive in, in the body, it just hurts the whole. Which is why uh, then Paul goes on after describing the body metaphor. He goes on in First Corinthians chapter thirteen. And I don't know who and how in the world First Corinthians chapter thirteen got usurped by wedding, weddings to say this is the only place. The context for Christian love has nothing to do with weddings. It has to do with the body of Christ, and I believe with church membership expectations. Where if love is 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 behind all of membership of, of why we are a member of a church, it has nothing to do with me or the, the expectations that the church serves me. All of a sudden, in Christian love, it becomes about everybody else. And that's where Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and says, I would much rather be able to speak uh, five intelligible words than a whole bunch of other nonsense. Why? Because it doesn't serve uh, everybody else. So uh, being able to speak in tongues, <coughs> self-serving. So I'm going to just speak five words that are going to be in service to others. So all of a sudden, the, the membership has something to do with being a functioning member of, of the body of Christ. And I would say that's going to be, that's the first of, of, of biblical membership. That's what it means. Membership means you are going to be a functioning uh, a member. Uh, God gave you every body part and it functions. God gave every month member in the congregation so they can function, not be dysfunctional. Um, that means membership is going to be more than just a name on a, on a list. It means membership is going to be not divided up into active or inactive because sheep know how to get around that fence. Uh, all they have to do is if they know that uh, after, if they haven't been in church for like one quarter, once every quarter, they're going to get a phone call. So all of a sudden, the membership expectation is simply come to church four times a year. And then, and then you're referred to as an active member. Is that having high expectations for church membership? No. We've got to get back to the body of Christ and how the body of Christ functions daily, uh, actively uh, together, so also in the church of Christ. And it's not going to be determined upon uh, um, uh, offerings that are per member unit. So it, it has less to do with maybe statistics or gauges. It has everything to do with um, uh, functioning, activity, service, uh, ministry as part of the body. The wrong question is, should I serve my church? The right question is, how can I best serve my church? That's the question I believe every member needs to be asked every year. Every year be asked, how am I going to serve uh, my church? Um, biblical membership also means that I'm going to be a unifying member. Can you imagine if um, uh, one of the, uh, we have a new member welcome, and then uh, the new members raise their hand and they say, I promise 
uh, that I, I will uh, love my fellow members and, and I will not be divisive in my congregation. I will be a unifying factor in this church. In other words, um, as far as uh, arguing, as far as having difference of opinion so it ends up in, in a blow up, no, I will not be a part of that. Why? Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit uh, through the bond of peace. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul commends the Ephesians for two things. The first was, uh, give me a second, um, he was thankful for their faith. And then he, he says, I, I, I am thankful for, you are known for your love for all the saints. That was it. Can you imagine if your church became known, what for? Because your members are loving on each other. That's, that's what's a, a unity in the church that is driven by love between members uh, that raises uh, expectations of membership. Over all these, uh, Paul said, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Biblical membership means that I will not let the church be about my preferences or my desires. Uh, it's not as if I'm going to be a member of the church just as long as uh, the pastor preaches 15 to 17 minute sermons, as long as he picks out music that, uh, that I prefer and as long as the ministries of the programs of the church serve me and my family, but don't ask me to clean. Don't ask me for anything that is beyond that. Um, Jesus, uh, his disciples were having a me first argument. And Jesus says, I, I love the fact that Jesus says, oh, what were you arguing about? Well, duh, he knew what they were arguing about. But he just asked them. And of course, it was the, they were having a fight about who is the greatest. Who's, who's the greatest among us? And it was after that that Jesus gently uh, spoke those words. That he said, what is, what, what is membership? Membership is, uh, is anyone who wants to be first must be the last. So a membership expectation is taking yourself and parking, parking yourself at the very last. Let everybody, in their opinion, have personal preference. Everybody goes before you. Can you imagine if our churches had that kind of a membership? I promise that uh, I will not let my opinion and my preferences uh, get in the way. I will make sure that it's about others. Can you imagine what would happen if we had that kind of an expectation within our congregations? Biblical membership means that I will lead my family to be healthy church members. You want a healthy church? Go after your families. You want healthy families? Then you're going to have to help them with a couple of key areas. Number one, marriages husbands and wives, uh, to enrich their marriages. Number two, uh, you're going to have to help um, uh, a parents uh, with a spiritual growth within the home. I grew up in a family where Leroy and Betty Neverstein, uh, after the uh, supper plates, all the dishes were taken away, someone would get the Bibles, someone would get the hymnals, pull them out, uh, and then we would have devotion. All of us would, we'd have to read out loud one chapter from the Bible, and then mom, she was a good singer, my dad sucked. Uh, they would, we'd have to sing one hymn uh, uh, every single night. You know as a kid how hard it is when you're like 12 years old and you want to meet up with your friends, and then all of a sudden you get to the communion, distribution hymns, and uh, all of a sudden it's like 18 verses long. And I look back at that, and I remember as a time, I just, there were, there were nights where I was like, I hate this. Now I look back and I was like, I treasure that. Absolutely treasure it. Especially when now today's parents, they're the millennial generation. I don't, what happened from two generations ago where now young parents, they don't even know how to have a devotion for themselves, much less with their kids. Parents don't know how to pray with their kids. 
which is going to be a discipleship priority from uh, here on out. There are two things that we're working on, resources for marriage enrichment and um, uh, a, family, a family devotional podcast. What if you're a single mom in a congregation? Um, she's got three kids. She is so busy, it, it, she could barely get all three kids ready and then out the door uh, to get them to school. Where is she going to find the time to have a spiritual growth moment, not only for herself but for her children? What if she could uh, just bring up on her smartphone after she's got them all buckled into the car, pull up a, a family devotion, hit the play button, and then there's a podcast that is specifically geared for family, including questions, age-appropriate questions, that she can ask in order to engage her children. We're looking to start that Advent of, uh, of this year, Advent uh, uh, 2020, Monday through Friday, family podcast. And then it's going to tie into the new hymnal, as uh, what, what if we could uh, take the lessons that you're hearing on a Sunday morning and uh, reinforce it because now you're hearing it through the week in these uh, devotional podcasts. So giving the resources to the family so that they don't have to try to do it on their own. Um, raising expectations uh, of family uh, spiritual health. Huge, huge issue. Biblical membership means that I will treasure my members and my membership as a gift. It is, it is not country club. This is a gift to be a part of the body of Christ, to lead our members, members to realize this is a privilege to be a part of. Um, I think raising membership expectations, one of the obstacles getting in the way of it, I, I think it's simply this, where the devil knows our weaknesses and how he can divide our congregations. When these become the issues within a congregation, this is where you see uh, membership expectations deteriorate. These are not the issues in the congregation. If this ever becomes an issue in your congregation, it's getting in the way of a, of a higher member, member assimilation, then you have to stop and say, nope, we're not even going to deal with that. You've got to get back to First Corinthian model. You have to talk about body of Christ, that we're in this uh, together. There is unity. And you've got to talk about Christian love. When that becomes the issue, when that becomes the attitude, you'd be amazed at how these just kind of dissolve and disappear. So uh, being able to talk attitude and mindset first, what, what, that is, this is where uh, the road to higher uh, member expectations begins. It begins with this kind of an attitude. Um, any other thoughts or uh, uh, questions? Please. Just an observation, I think probably most people think membership requirements, when we right away go to what what did they take for Bible information class? Um, so I don't know how to word this, but like uh, doctrinal expectations or, and I, I kind of like this because it talks about ongoing expectations, so we're not giving the impression, okay, you met all your expectations, you're a member, you know, I appreciate that, yep. but I do want to you know, and then where where would you put Bible class and worship under uh, kind of in all these expectations that's kind of built in there, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. No. Now, in in what way to what degree? I I, I don't know. That that's the I'd be fascinated to have that conversation when you go back uh, with your church leaders and and discuss this. That would be a good conversation to have. Yes. It's kind of a dangerous comment, but I'm curious of what your thoughts are on the effect of. The, the wrong view of Lutheran schools in, the, in affecting a family and the family devotions, where the attitudes of the parents might be, oh, the kids get that at, at home, 
or at, at school, I should say, so we don't have to worry about it at home if, it, if that's an effect and how how we can tackle that effectively. I don't know. Yeah, of 1,250 churches, I would say about 20, 25% of our congregations have Lutheran elementary schools. So 75% don't even have to really uh, deal with that problem. But as far as the 25%, I would agree with that. Um, I, I, I think when uh, uh, a parents went AWOL, which really began with my generation, so blame me, uh, be, because uh, my generation were the first latchkey kids. And uh, because of that, uh, we were left, uh, oftentimes uh, left home uh, alone. Mom and dad are working and uh, we're left to our own devices. Why? Because the parents are, are earning a living for us. So that's where it began. Where, where it's led to is uh, parents punting and saying, here church, here school, you take care of the spiritual uh, health of, of, my, of, of my kids. And guess what? Uh, oftentimes churches and schools said, okay, we'll, we'll step into that vacuum. And all it did is compound the problem. Because now, not only are we taking care of the spiritual education, but all we've done is encourage uh, the, the spiritual illiteracy that's happening uh, in families today. Yep. Just back on, on the ones of schools, hopefully the Lutheran schools that are going to is working in a partnership with the parents, and that's from day one, this is how it's going to be. We teach them at school, but they, this is, this, you know, you're still the parent. You still, I mean, and technically how it's set up in America, the parents are responsible for kids' education. So that includes Christian education. That comes from our churches, too, and our schools. So hopefully if you're looking at a Lutheran school, that's, you're talking to them about that, too. Yeah, I, I think there, there is a way that we can assist and be walking alongside of, of the family, but not stepping into the vacuum. All right, features of members. Hey, what time do we, we stay? We go to four. Four o'clock? Oh, here we go. Um, high expectation churches are experiencing growth are the ones who are assimilating those they've reached. It wasn't the front door that was most important. Churches that are growing, um, it's because they're addressing the back door. Nine out of ten churches in America are not growing, or they're not growing at the pace of uh, the communities in which they reside. But for the one out of ten churches that are growing, they have that commonality in mind. They are addressing uh, the back door uh, of their churches. The surprises for uh, uh, high expectation churches and had uh, the, the factor of how long a pastor was there. In 1997, the average length of a pastorate was three years. Um, today, it's six years. In the wells, it's eight years. Uh, the longer a pastor is there, uh, the higher the assimilation went up. Why? Because there's a, a, a trust factor between pastor and people. There's a relationship building in which a pastor earns the right that his members trust that if, he, if we're going to talk about member expectations, I can trust what my pastor is saying. Um, another uh, key surprise was people understood the mission of the church. It wasn't just as a statement, but they really got how they fit. As a member, they supported, the, they, they got the mission, and they saw how they played into the mission. As a member of the church, that mission became their mission as well. Uh, another key surprise was the pastor didn't do ministry. The pastor gave away ministry. And two adjectives that describe these kind of pastors, they did it intensely, and they did it intentionally. Um, they went out of their way to make sure that they were not doing ministry themselves, uh, which also 
uh, kind of breeds expect, member expectations, right? The pastor is going to be able to do it all for us because that, that's that's what we pay him for. This these were pastors who were saying, no, it's going to be you doing ministry, um, and I need to be training and equipping you. He's giving it away, uh, ministry to his members, youth ministry, not cordoning them down the hallway where all the kids go for classes and then you never see them again, but the kind of youth ministry in which there actually are expectations for them as part of the body of Christ. Um, I want you to listen to, uh, this is a professor uh, from Wake Forest, as he talks about youth and member expectations. 